We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture, literally. Everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. It's about a thing. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. It's bright and early, and I want a patty pie. (laughs) (laughs) Have you tasted it yet? No, I haven't tasted these things. I've heard so many people talk about it. Um, I'm kind of on the fence of, I don't really go to Walmart a lot, and so (laughs) I don't really know. Um... When I heard it was out, I was like, well, I'm not finna go try it. But And then I, I, my mom makes really, really good sweet potato pies. And she's been, she like sells them around the holidays all the time. It's like so many people. Like I talked to her the other day and she was like, she got like 30 orders already. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't really know. I feel like even no matter what it tastes like, it's probably not going to taste like my mom's pie. So probably gonna feel like i wasted money on it so yeah i haven't but i I know people that have like my sisters tried it and they were like oh you know it's all right like it's not you can't compare it to like your mom's or somebody that's made it like from scratch fresh but it's not a bad pie so i don't know it'll get the job done yeah that's what i think i think it's one of those things like if you you away from home and you know, or you not not even even if you home, but you don't know somebody that makes like a bomb behind sweet potato pie, it might be you know a, a good good runner up substitute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even a fan of sweet potato pie, so uh, you're not black, Lisa. Come on, wow, man. you're not. How you don't like sweet potato pie? That's like a part of that's like a requirement for being in a black club. See, we can't say that. You know, we can't paint with a broad brush. I'm a I'm an anomaly. This brush ain't broad. This brush is real. <laughs> it's real, real specific. Eat you some pie, and you, I'm just feeling. <laughs> I don't no. I don't like it sweet potato pie. And you know what? I just really started eating greens. So, wow. yeah, I don't like dressing though. So I'm just concerned. So what do you eat? Um, <laughs> like on is, holidays? Yeah. What's what, what like? Eat? I can't eat greens without the presence of uh, candy yams because I have to like have something next to the. I have to like have the candy yam juice in the greens. Um, I love mac and cheese. I love turkey wings, but I don't like turkey. So. Yikes! What do you? Uh, is it that that you know? Is it that you don't have? Cause you, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say they don't eat greens. That's a little weird. Um, I do eat is them it that, now, I but I didn't used to eat them. That I won't eat. So some people make greens with like a lot of vinegar. I hate it. it I feel like it tastes. Oh, I never, I never had that. But it's like a lot of different ways to make greens. Have you only had like one way to make greens? No, I've had. A variety of greens. I mean, now if I eat them, like, like my we have like almost Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving uh, every Sunday at my grandma's house. She always cooks a big meal like that. So I mean, I'm well acquainted with greens of any kind. I've I've eaten a lot of people's greens, 
But I just prefer mac and cheese, candy yams, and turkey wings. If on my plate for Thanksgiving, I'll, that I'll be good. Mac and that cheese, like candy a, yams. Not a Thanksgiving plate. And turkey I wings. I need to have it all. I need to have everything you said, plus some seafood salad, some seafood dressing, um, a fried turkey, got a baked turkey, we got chicken, we got ribs, we have like my mom and my stepdad, my stepdad, shout out to my stepdad, but they they go all out um, for Thanksgiving. So as much as this stuff that I shouldn't be eating and I'm not supposed to be eating, I am going slap ham on all this stuff because it's going to be so good. And yeah, but what we won't have is a Keisha Cole pie. We ain't gonna be rocking the Keisha Cole pie. Yeah, no, I don't think Keisha Cole ever have a no pie. Keisha Cole pie. Does she even no. have an album? It it was so independently. Remember? You, oh you, yeah, yeah. That, that it was so independently. That that Keisha, that meme of the Keisha Cole pie though is hilarious. It is hot dogs and pork and beans casserole. That's what it is. Oh, that sounds so disgusting. Yo, people were seeing these dang on memes. Like it was it was hilarious. It. Everybody kept coming out with stuff. And then, you know, the whole Patty thing blew up. And she had that one guy, I forget his name, um, that made that video, which was actually pretty entertaining. Uh, and I think a lot of people are saying that that's what that's actually what boosted the pie sales. Like, that's why so many people were going out to buy the pails, because the pies because of that video. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Patty LaBelle has said, like, no, you know, she sold the pies on her own. She thanks him. But, like, it was a. It was the pies that sold themselves. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, having that taste of pie, I don't know. But I feel like the video of the dude, every time that I heard about the pie, it was something associated with this video. Like, oh, you got to watch this video. You got to watch this video. So if if nothing else, like for marketing, this dude was definitely, he pushed the marketing. I, I mean, I think she did like a couple uh, TV spots for the pie. But yeah, dude definitely pushed the marketing. Well, she said that the pie was uh, big before he did that video. She wanted to let the world know that because they were saying that, you know, only she her pies only sold because of that dude. And she was like, no, my pies were popping before then. And I'm just like, mm, no, because I ain't know nothing about the pies. I was to, just going to say, yeah, they, they, <laughs> I guess they was popping. They don't feel like nobody knew about it, though. Nobody. I ain't know about them. Um yeah, but social media just shows you put out a product. You got a you got a name behind you. You put out a product. Social media can take it and throw it anywhere. Like you can have somebody that makes a video and it goes viral, and then your product goes viral. And Walmart is sold out. I think Walmart is saying the last thing I read was Walmart saying they're sold out until December, which is that's interesting. I mean, Pat is making some. I don't know if it's you know if it's all her. I'm sure she had like a team. That went into it. Uh, but yeah, that's. Make your money, Patty. Yeah, shout out to Patty LaBelle. Do it big. You gotta keep, you know, doing what you're doing. Um, and other, some, some interesting news happened on today's show. Charlie Sheen announced he was HIV positive. He has been HIV positive for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess people were trying to get money from him uh, because of this. And so I guess he was tired of being taken advantage of and tired of giving out money. So he was like, you know, I'm just going to tell the story um, because you can't you can't um, blackmail somebody who's already told on themselves. So um, that whole thing was 
was stupid. Like, I don't know. I just, I can't even believe that somebody would be that low and so cruel. And he said, like, these are people that were in, in his inner circle. Because you're like, you know, people were like, oh, well, you have to watch who you, you, you associate yourself with or who you expose this information to. And he's like, these are people that are in my inner circle, people that I consider friends that would like hit me up. And he, they, when they asked like how much money he put out, he said millions of dollars. Like you've spent millions of dollars to hide, you know, this, this very intimate, this secret, like about your life, which I just think is so, I can't even fathom somebody being that low, like the stoop so low as to say, like, I'm going to expose you um, for your HIV status and you have to, like, give out all this money. It's yeah, it's, yeah it, it you was, need to rethink his um, it sounds like maybe, you know, because people when they get positioned, their inner circle changes. And so usually they don't keep the same people that were down with them from the beginning. So it seemed. Maybe his inner circle was not as you know what I'm saying. The foundation wasn't there, obviously. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I feel like there's BS. One thing I will say though is I, I think I, I kind of started to notice a little bit on social media, like it started this whole conversation about um, HIV and AIDS, and people. It kind of like changed a lot of people's stigma. Oftentimes, I always feel like people pin HIV as. Uh, a poor and promiscuous disease unless you're thinking about like Magic Johnson. Um, And so I feel like it started a whole conversation again about, you know, who can contract it? How do you contract it? What does it mean to live with it? Um, Which I think is important because you you see so many people that I feel like because of the stigma that's around it by any STD, but particularly HIV, you have a lot of people that feel the need to um, not talk to people, someone that they're sexually active with about their HIV status or, you know, everybody makes like these kind of smart and snark remarks against like people that are living with HIV. And I feel like this this starts a conversation that that people need to have. Um, I feel like it also allows people to have a bit more empathy um, for people that do have HIV, right? Because you, again, you see them as you automatically think this person was immediately promiscuous. So you always automatically think that this person is like, oh, well, they were probably, you know, on some sort of crazy drug and things like that. And it just kind of start, it starts this whole conversation about what happens and where it comes from. And I think it also exposes how cruel people can be and how much of a challenge it can be for people who are living with HIV because you have somebody that is saying like I'm shoveling out millions of dollars so that people won't blackmail me about something that I'm quite sure that every day it's not easy for him to like wake up and realize that he's HIV positive or you know what I'm saying just to live with it like it's I don't know I mean I don't know I don't know Charlie King personally I don't um, I haven't watched like a, a lot of his interviews um, in the past but I can just imagine that, that that's something that's not easy to to do and to have somebody you're forking out millions of dollars as hush money so people won't tell something about you that could potentially hurt you and hurt your career i just feel like it's it's crap it's crazy yeah you just made me thank god for my life and the people in my life <laughs> uh because you know to have those kinds of those kinds of sharks around you uh is scary you know what i'm saying yeah so, for sure thank you for good people um. So this week, a terrorist attack 
on Paris, and it actually was in other countries as well. Uh, but I think the biggest was Paris, uh, as far as death toll numbers is concerned. And um, it's just crazy because a lot um, they were in like a theater, in in the one of the of the biggest ones in the theater, and um, they were uh, spraying like they were at the balcony and they were just shooting at the um, at the floor. And I was just like, I can't imagine, you know, that it's so crazy. Yeah, the whole thing was I was work that whole day I was like working so I hadn't been paying attention to news and CNN hadn't like sent me like an update and I hadn't been on social media so I didn't know but towards that afternoon I saw um people like watching the screen and I'm like what's going on and I I they I started like seeing and people they were showing like you know um the the cameras being on the streets and you had like news reporters uh showing areas uh, because a lot of things were blocked off but showing areas of which things that happened and it was really, I don't, it, it's one of those things that I don't feel like for me personally, I'll never get accustomed to. I'm always like shaking when it comes to somebody's losing, somebody losing their life. Um, and, and, and in such a way as that, like you literally, you snatch someone's life from them. And that is so, ah, it's just, it, it, I, I feel like I can't even, I, I can't express enough how disturbing and bothersome it is to me and then how immediately I start to just say like man like you really do have to count your blessings and thank God daily for who you are and where you are and you know that you went out to just have a normal day and you were able to come home at night and get in your bed and go to sleep because that is something that is not everybody doesn't don't everybody don't have to go through and there was one girl she's i think she was from california and she's like a she was there she was one of the victims and she was in college and you know of course people start to like show her photos and um talk about like what she was doing in college and what had her in friends and and it was the whole thing was just kind of like man this is it this is so so crazy it's so sad and i don't again i don't think it's something that i'll ever get used to um i was having a conversation with a friend that was saying like the unfortunate thing is i'm much like um you know other issues that we have here in the country like i'm becoming numb to it and i was like i think i'm used to hearing about it but i don't know if i'm becoming numb to it because it, it is still like every time it affects me it's like Man, and I kind of have this moment of I got to like get myself out of it and 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 think about it all over again because it's so it's so it's it's such a it's a rough thing and I think because I always take myself and try to place myself in the situation and so just imagine what it would be like. Last night I went to go see uh, the the part two of the last uh, movie of the Hunger Games, and I remember sitting in the theater and for a minute I had to like snap myself out of it because I kept just I just was just sitting there thinking like man like what if you know what if something broke out here like where would I go what would I do like is is how likely am I to survive this and I just kept thinking and, and that's one of the things that you know terrorist organizations want you to do right they want you to fear they want you to not live in and peaceful they always want you to be alert they want you to be uncomfortable they want to disturb life and with people saying things here about uh threats on dc shout out to everybody that sent me a text message i really appreciate it um everybody that was just like yo be careful yo i just want to make sure you're good how do you feel if you're thinking about anything let me know like i appreciate that because 
it's one of those things like it's kind of close it hits close to home in some sense you you're living in this area and you're like yo who is who is to say like i could just be going into the city to just have a good time and something could pop off and like what if you know what what does that mean and what does that look like so i don't know it's it it's something that disturbs me it it's rough it's definitely rough yeah it's it's crazy yeah well we're going to definitely be praying for all our our for you and all the other people in dc and in all of the u.s um, that God would cover and protect us um, because people are people are really crazy out here, <laughs> and they don't care about anybody but themselves. And to harm someone like that is so so sad. So um, we're gonna take a break and go into our main dish. Now we're back for our main dish. Our main dish. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever gonna get like be get accustomed to you taking that main dish part. <laughs> I love it. Me and Chris need to write do it. He looking. He probably. I'm, I'm sure he looking. He's looking to settle down. I saw. I was listening to this one. This one podcast, and that's what they were talking about. They're saying Chris Brown is. Said that he's looking to settle down now, or mm-hmm. something like that. I was like, hey. "Wow, me That's married right. to Chris Brown? That would be an interesting thing." He's, I think that man. I, I think Chris Brown. He's a real dude. You'll know what you're getting out, out the gate. Like he seems like. Look here. This is who I am. This is how I am. Like, just respect what it is. So, y'all can be real honest with each other. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's a, yeah. Honestly, you know it's a good. Yeah, but you know it, who you are. But can I? Do I want who he is? See, that's the question. You got to work with the man. You know, mm. you got to like believe in him. Mm. Yeah, I do. Behind every 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 great man is a strong woman. See. Uh huh. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, I don't think Chris Brown for me though. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's he's I, I, some of his songs are good. Um, some of his songs are good <laughs> you know shout out to Chris he's a handsome young fellow I still think he's a kid though even though he's an adult and he's probably not that much younger say, than us like our age right Yeah. no I thought he was like 3 years younger in like 25 24 nah, 25 I think, I think Chris Brown's like 27 let me look I feel like Chris Brown is a kid just like you know what's funny I consider Lil Bow Wow a kid, and he's the exact same age as us. But I feel like Lil Bow Wow doesn't age. Maybe it's because you keep calling the man Lil Bow Wow. Oh, I guess. Well, he was born. Chris Brown's twenty six. So, I mean, we're still two years a year. You're not that 
you're still in the same age bracket as the band. Like, yeah, I don't know why I thought he was younger. Little Romeo to me looks older than uh, Lil Bow Wow. He looks like a grown man. I didn't even know Lil Romeo was still around. No knock to Lil Romeo, but I didn't. Yeah, you know what? He was, he's an actor. I, he's, I was just gonna say he was in those uh, those was it I D I C some college some yeah. online college he was involved with. In, on yeah. that commercial, I, I guess that's him in Master P College. Yeah, this is the thing about IDIC. If if you are going to a college and the name is dot com, leaf. Um, you know the website address IDIC.com That means that it's not an education. School should have dot edu. <laughs> they should have a lot more than dot edu though. <laughs> I need y'all to have. But but no, I mean, that's the first I warning sign online. For real, for real. If you're <laughs> going to a school and applying to a school, please check its accreditation. Like, make sure that it's regionally accredited because you have people that are like internationally accredited and all of these things. And when you graduate, you can't find a job. And like, you need to look at reviews on the school, talk to some people that have gone to the school, talk to their alumni, reach out to their alumni association. It, it, they should have one. Um, talk to them about their experience. Like, really do your research. Because one of the things that frustrates me so much to, in today's time is that there's everybody got a school. So you can go to a school everywhere and you spend all this money or you get all these loans and, and you know, get in so much debt for this degree that sometimes don't mean anything. Sometimes you can't use or can't even get a job based on which sucks. So, yeah. yeah. If their Make degree, sure. if their school is a storefront, you know, you just might want to check it. You know what I'm saying? I just dot com. You know, these are some warning signs. They don't have an actual building. It's a P.O. box. I mean. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's deep. Because <laughs> it's an online school. That's a whole other thing. When yeah, I was looking for jobs, like I was looking at like maybe potentially doing an adjunct online as a teacher online, and uh, it one place didn't even have a, like a main building. I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, I you know, get it how you live, whatever works. Like <laughs> it's gonna be rough out here. I, yeah, I know. I, I have a friend whose aunt went to a school. I ain't gonna put it out there because I know a lot of people go to this school. And she said when she got her degree that the degree wasn't worth the paper that they printed on, which is rough. That's like if you got this degree and this is sitting at your house and you don't even think it's worth the paper that it's printed out on, that's yeah. Yeah. And it was like a, a, a master's level degree, which is, yeah, yeah, that's rough. Just go to a real school, yeah. Just help yourself. Because don't, don't, don't waste the money for that. Because those don't. private schools are very expensive, too. Yeah, private and for, for well, not just private, for-profit schools are extremely, extremely expensive. Yeah, so... So on to our main dish, because this has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> um... Our main dish is when life shifts. Uh, we talk. We want to go through Lisa. Well, go ahead. This is this this your topic. <laughs> well, um, yeah. When life shifts, um, we all know. Like in life, there are certain crucial moments that change us. Like that are definitive moments in life. Um, that painful impact. We might come in contact with somebody. We might lose someone. We might be introduced to someone that 
changed our lives and they are like major turning points in our lives they change our outlook i always say if you find what your most pain what pains where your greatest pains and your greatest passions there you'll find your purpose and so i think that these situations impact and change us and shift us um to things that we didn't think we would do like for instance brunch culture Never thought I would have a podcast uh, <laughs> uh, for for young professionals in the city. But my time in grad school and my time at D.C. and my time at brunch and the conversations that I had at brunch and those um, experiences birthed the desire and the passion to create a podcast for young professionals in the city. Now, if you would ask me three years ago, do you want to do a podcast for young professionals in the city? I would say uh no why (laughs) I had no desire to but that time in DC and those conversations at brunch were definitive crucial moments in my life my time at undergrad where I experienced um doubts in my faith and was a crucial part that trans that um birthed an interest um, in theology and apologetics for me and led me to seminary and led me to start another organization that I have. Um, So these were definitive moments in my life. Um, And I think that sometimes um, when we think of life, we think of, I'm going to plan it out. Like, I know what I'm going to do. I got all my, um, like, what my goals are. But we have to uh, make room for life to shift because when life shifts, it points you in a di- sometimes it points you in a different direction, and you're doing something completely different than you ever thought you would do. Absolutely, and it, I, it's I think to that point, you have to be when you're thinking about your life, you have to understand that sometimes everything isn't going to go exactly as planned because you are equipped to do something, or you have the tools that will allow you to be purposeful in other areas before you get to that point, or even after you get to a certain point. Um, we talk about you know the the big life shifts. There's so many life changing things that happen um, for me, and I'm a person that I'm, I'm very reflective. So I look back and I I try to connect the dots or see like, well, what did I learn from this, and what did I get from here, and you know what what was what did this teach me ultimately, or how did this benefit me? Even the worst of worst situations, the hardest situations um, that went sour or didn't work out, I'm always able to look at myself and say, okay, so what did you learn in this situation? Um, and one of at this point, more recently, the the biggest challenges of my life and the most hardest challenge of my life has been moving um, from Florida. Being it's my first time living away from Florida, um, like my my home state. So I went to I was born and raised and went to college there and everything. But this is my first time actually coming and living in a new place and you know being around completely different people, people that didn't have the same beliefs as I, I as I do people that believe in something completely different um people that have completely different lifestyles than than what I'm used to people that in so many ways in so many cases I feel like you know me being in Florida kind of had me thinking a certain way and I feel like throughout my life I've kind of been a pretty open person but I'm I moved before when before moving here I was able to say you know what I definitely 
am very conservative in my thoughts and my views or what's normal, if you will. And then moving here and kind of just being exposed to so much stuff and not being exposed to it in a sense of like, oh, well, these are bad. These are bad people. I, I started to be able to see like the humanity in other people. And that, that shift was really, really hard for me. But one thing that it allowed me to do is it allowed me to pour more of that out into brunch culture. It allowed me to really give more consideration to other people and to really make sure that I'm checking myself and that I'm being respectful of people that I may not necessarily agree with or I may not necessarily understand. Um, One thing that is always important for me is, you know, I realized while I was in college that, you know, one of the, the tools that that I have and one of the things that I'm equipped with doing is being able to be a mouthpiece and being able to speak and being able to, you know, provide help people uh, consider people that aren't like them or situations that aren't like theirs and be it from personal experience or be it from being connected to people that have, you know, real issues and me looking at those people and not saying like, oh, well, this is what you need to do to get right. But saying like, man, you know what? If I took myself and placed myself in your situation, I might be in the same the, the same situation because I'm walking through an understanding of who the person, the person people are and coming here it just kind of I I feel like I got more tools to be able to do that because I was placed in you know a minority situation um, or I was placed in a situation where I've had people that I counted on or looked to kind of treated me the same way they treated like people that don't have that they don't know anything about or a person that is not it's like oh I give you I treat you right because I know you or you my friend like you treated me like a person that was I had people that treat me like a person that's on the street and it's like dang I look at those people on the street and I'm like you know what I get you I understand <laughs> I've had people that have treated me in in, a, in such a way that it's like you know I'm a part of this this community and you've treated me like the people that you treat on the outside of the community. And so, like, I'm looking at those people on the outside of the community and saying, yo, I get it. And I understand a little bit more. And even with, like, my own, you know, struggles and trying to figure things out. And I look and I'm like, you know what? I have completely different eyes on this situation now. And I'm able to look at you and say, like, I'm going to deal with you a little more delicately because I know what it is to be in a similar situation. And that was something that was life changing for me. It really, you know, allowed me to shift. But here and walking out of the situation and walking through it, I'm able to say I understand a lot more about why I'm here and what I'm here to do and how and what my purpose, what I knew my purpose to be before. I know even more of how to perfect that purpose, how to be, you know, a better me and a more effective me in my purpose because of this situation and what I've gone through. And I think it's really important. I say all this and I say that if you don't write, if you're not a person that journal like that, write naturally, like I advise you to try to start journaling, to to create like a video blog or an audio blog, like just take out the voice memo and just start like talking things out because one of the, the the most helpful and beautiful things that I have and I've been able to do is that I go back to my writings and I'm able to see the headspace that I was in and I'm able to look at it in the headspace that I am now sometimes just a couple months, a few months later, and I'm able to look back and say, you know what? This is like 
this how I felt then. But man, I get it now. Like I really understand and get really specific. Don't just talk. Don't just say things. I think a lot of people always think that you got to start off with like dear journal or dear diary. I'm mad today. Like you literally can go through how you would talk to a person um, about a situation or how you would uh, walk through, you know, what happened, the play by play, whatever it is that's going through your mind. Just write that down and document it. It's freeing to be able to get it out or, you know, video it out or or, or speak it out in voice like it's it's beautiful to be able to get out and it's beneficial but literally when you're able to look on the back end you're able to connect those dots and you're able to say you know what i saw this i should have saw this coming when i wrote this like this was happening i was kind of feeling this way or i i was kind of walking down this path when i wrote this at this moment so now i'm able to learn more about who i am i'm able to learn more about how i process things and i can kind of look at me you know as if I'm on a character on a television or I'm a character that's in a book if I'm writing or I'm a character that's, you know, I'm listening to an audio book about and I'm hearing those thoughts and I'm kind of able to just like process, man, this is what I do and this is where I am. So I think that, you know, these these life shifts, they're great. But I think the, the most powerful tool that we have is to be able to use our technology or use the things we have now to review these these life shifts and be able to improve upon ourselves from it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, uh, one one thing you said that I uh, thought was good, like those experiences when you went to D.C., you were able to develop a certain level of empathy for people um, yes. that you wouldn't normally have. And I think that's what painful experiences, that's what life shifts do. Um, or that's what, you know, just... That wasn't necessarily a painful experience, but that's just, you know, you seeing things from oh, a different perspective. <laughs> seeing things from a different perspective. painful and almost put me in jail. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> seeing things from a different perspective helps you to develop a level of empathy for people. And I think um, some crucial relationships in my life have helped me do that. It's like I can identify with people and I was just telling, I mean, we were just having a conversation the other day and I was telling you about walking you through something painful and you were like, I understand how that feels. And then you were able to point me, you were able to, you know, connect with me on that level. But had we not had those experiences, we might not have been able to connect on the level. It wasn't the same exact thing, but right. it was similar enough for you to empathize with me. Exactly. And I think that's one of the ways life shifts helps us. It helps us to connect with people. And Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's funny you say that. I remember my stepmom telling me um, shortly after my dad passed away. And this was when I say shortly, I mean, like, I want to say it was shortly after the funeral. Um, and she said, we don't go through things for us we go through things to be a vessel to help other people. And like, it was so weird because I'm just kind of like, I mean, like I, I hear what you're saying, but it really, really didn't make sense. But then I started to realize, and it took me maybe like a couple years to understand because I, I started doing it naturally without thinking about it. Um, and during that time, I wasn't like writing down how I how I felt. I literally was just kind of like leaning on, you know, my friends or people 
and and just kind of like venting to them sometimes, but really not being able to talk, communicate. This is when I was like anti going to a therapist. I was like, oh, you know, people that go to therapists or they crazy. I ain't crazy. I don't need that. Um, I was really anti like <laughs> anything that made sense. Really wasn't somebody that that talked or expressed myself at all. Um, but I started realizing that when it came to certain relationships or friends and relationships, when it came to like, you know, healing, um, restoring their relationships with their dads or even just having like a, a, a properly functioning relationship with their dad. I realized that that became uh, something that I was extremely passionate about. And it's because I had just gone through it. And when I looked at and read like rehash the story of myself and my dad and our relationship and how you know things were growing up and 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 how things ultimately were at the end and the last day of his life and that to me that just became so monumental and so profound so I started driving at home with a lot of people and I have a number of friends that now that once that didn't have like a relationship with their dad or um they had a relationship with their dad but it was very like uh, yeah whatever i they i have a number of friends now that actually those relationships have shifted to be good relationships and one of the things that a couple of them has told me is that like you know it really was from the conversations i had with you it really was you kind of going in on me about how how I the importance of having this relationship about like why I should do it and you know and also sharing the benefits and the just truly truly the reality of what it is like you know sometimes you're going to have good days sometimes you're going to have bad days sometimes you're going to feel really really stupid and sometimes you're going to be like wow this is the greatest person in the world but ultimately you really are going to get to a place that you, it it becomes not what you may have wanted in a sense, but it becomes something that is so beneficial to you that you can't really describe it or explain it. And it just kind of made me realize that that was a major shift in my life. No one that close to me had ever died. Um, and and, and it, was, it was a really hard thing to grasp if you've never gone through the death of a loved one that's really close. One of the things that I kept going through was that it didn't seem real. I kept trying to like I would be sleeping in the bed and I would be like jumping because I was like trying to jump out of my body because in my mind you ever have a dream and you realize that like in the dream you are at some point in time you can realize that it's a dream. So you like try to jump to wake up. Mm hmm. You like try to like shake yourself in the dream and Mm -hmm. you wake up. I do it. I've done it all the time. So after my dad passed away, I would literally I would be in the bed. I remember staying at one of my friends place and I was laying in the bed with her and she was like, you keep jumping. And I'm like, I don't even know. I'm not trying to do it, but literally I'm trying to jump out of my body because I'm thinking like I got to wake up because this this sense of like eternity and like i'll never see this person you know again while i'm here on earth it just doesn't make sense to me and so i'm trying to like shake myself to get up and it's you know it's reality but that going through that and and having that time i was really able to like share with other people and express that with people like yo man this is you know, this is why I fight for this. This is why. And your relationship with your dad is is personal. It's personal to you. It's not going to make me wake up in the morning. It's not going to make me go to sleep at night. It's not going to put food on my table. Like 
this really has nothing to do with me, but everything with my understanding of being in that situation and knowing, you know what? I was so blessed that nobody set me down and beat this over my head. I really just feel like, you know, God heard my prayers as a little kid and heard the things that I prayed about and that I wanted and I wished for. And as an adult, it came to pass and I didn't have anything to do with it. So I'm like, so what about the people that didn't pray that they don't understand that? Let me be the person that like fights for them and like shakes you and beats you over the head. And it's like, you got to get this done. You got to figure this out because this is, it's powerful. So utilize, realize and utilize that. I mean, understand that what you're doing and what you're going through, it's, it's monumental and it shifts you. But if you're open enough and you're starting to look at enough, it can also direct you to more of your purpose and put you in a place of understanding, you know, how that experience is going to be useful, not only for you, but useful for, you know, your inner circle, for your friends, people on the outside of your inner circle. And that is those are the ways in which we can start to change the world from just what we've experienced, because, again, and I'm a firm believer of it. When we go through these things, we aren't going through it alone. As Lisa said, like we've done countless times over and over, been able to kind of like share experiences with each other and talk about, you know, situations that we're in that are very hard. It's very, you know, emotional and it's kind of taxing after a while because it's like, I want to be done with this, but I don't really know how to be done with this. But when you talk to somebody that has been through it, you guys can really share um, some, some, some notes, if you will, and share ways in which this this is kind of what helped me and this is my understanding of this type of situation or this type of person and this is how you walk out from it um going forward and you know i i I think that's what it's all about like you go through something so that i don't necessarily have to go through the same thing or if i go through something you know it's not as hard as it was for you and because we're connected and you've already gone through it that's that's the whole purpose yes Amen. So if you let us know what your uh, life shifts are, Uh, we want to connect with you. We want to um, interact on social media. So hashtag chat BC and let us know your life shifts. And now we're going to go take a break. And when we come back, we'll be for our toast to roast. All the things that made me who I am today The good and the bad, the good and the bad When I rewind When I rewind When I rewind When I rewind Alright, so we are back for the Toaster Roast And I am... What am, I, I I literally just had my roast in my hand, um, and I completely forgot. In <laughs> the ways in which I take so much notes on everything, I'm always writing down. Lisa, you always give me like props for that. And the one thing I didn't say was like, yeah, I'm not gonna write my roast down because I got it. And look at me. Do you have a toaster roast, Lisa? We'll let you go. I literally, I don't know. I like just. I was just thinking about it before we took a break in my brain. I don't know where it's at. I want to toast um, the Shonda Rhimes for how to get away with murder. 
Um, and I just told Randall I haven't been interested in it, but the winter finale was dope. It was incredible. Scandal winter finale. I was just like, okay, but I mean, it was good, but it wasn't as good as How to Get Away with Murder, though. <laughs> so toast. To, what did you think of Scandal's season finale? Um, I, I just the one thing that I hope, and this is a spoiler alert, so if you have not watched it, um. This is probably a good time to turn down your volume or to fast forward. But I'm glad that the whole Olivia Fitz thing, I hope this is the absolute end of it. I when they sat it on is. the bed, when they sat on the bed and it was like, he was like, we tried. And she was like, yeah, we did. I was like, thank you, God. This is it. I hope this never comes up. I, I feel like because the writers are so good, the characters are true to themselves. So maybe, you know, when it comes back in the spring, there's going to be a, or a, some sort of hint of a relationship or some sort of hit of feelings being there. I understand. I'm OK with that. You know, these are people being true to who they are. I just don't want to let's not go through this whole we got to be together. I'm crying over you, Vermont, jam, dogs, cats, birds, kids. Like, I don't I, I hope that whole thing is absolutely done. I am. If there's one thing that drains me about scandal, it's that I don't want to do it. Well, what, one thing I will give prop Shonda Rhimes and their writing team on is the fact that they show the realness of people sometimes who are in these. Um, relationships that are affairs and he was she was like you know I didn't have this side of you I don't do this that's Millie's job and it's kind of like when you're people don't realize that sometimes when people are in an affair it's really all about the sex so when you have an opportunity to actually be with this person on a day to day you don't know how to operate because it's more to a relationship than just one piece but when you're in an illicit relationship, usually there's only one component. And that's why it's so exciting because you don't have the other components of the day to day and walking you doing actual life with you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that was a good reality for people to see, you know. Absolutely. So I actually think um, this this roast, which is not really it's not the it's probably not going to be. Like my best roast, but we gonna we gonna roast. I'm gonna roast um, a couple things, and I'm gonna roast Tay Diggs, but I'm also gonna roast critics of Tay Diggs as well. Um, <laughs> so apparently, Tay Diggs uh, did a, a an interview with the Grio, in which he said that he wants his son to be. Um, he doesn't want his he wants his son to choose his racial identity. He wants his son to be able to choose, you know, if he wants to be called or considered a black man because he is mixed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so social media, you know, took that and went off and, and, and just started like really going going crazy. Of course, people are like slandering Tay Diggs. And apparently this isn't the first time Tay Diggs has said something out of the way, you know, about being black or not being proud of being black. Um, and one thing I try to realize is that with certain people, when you were born in a certain community or when you're born around a certain people or when you've like ascended to a certain level of success and notoriety, you don't really identify with a black experience or with with, with and I don't want to say the black experience because there's really not one way to be black, but a black experience and and 
you don't understand, you know, sometimes why people are so proud and so passionate about being black. Um, and then also why some people are just kind of like, I don't want to be the don't want to be black. It's a burden. I just don't want people to see color. I want people I want to be looked at in the same way someone else is looked at, which is a whole other story. Um, but I think what Tay Diggs was trying to say, and I, I read the transcript and I think what he was trying to say is that my son is mixed. And so I don't want him to ignore the fact that he is part white. Um, and, and I say that because I've had I've been friends with people who, who, who are mixed and good friends with people who are mixed. And we've had conversations about, you know, what that looks like and how it feels. And I remember one of uh, one of my friends, her telling me that she didn't have she never had the option to be anything but a black woman. And she's like, as proud as I am to be a black woman, you know, when people see my mom and they see that my mom's white and my mom is not like, you know, like she looks like you know, she's like a like white woman. She looks like a, a like the average white woman. And when people see that and they're just kind of like, uh, where that come from? I thought she was just like a light skinned black girl. Um, and she talked, she talked, she talked to me about like her experiences, um, of not being accepted fully by the white community, not being accepted fully. She felt like fully by the black community or anybody. So it was kind of like, well, I'm mixed. Right. And I want to identify myself as mixed, but because of the one drop rule and the standard of our country, if you have a, a drop of black in you, you are black. And as someone that when I heard that, I was kind of like, well, you know, I I love being black and I enjoy being black, but I think people should be able to, um, you know, identify. I don't want to say identify with who you are, but I think if a person says, you know what, I'm mixed, that's okay because the reality is is that you're mixed. The one thing that frustrates me um, when it comes to Tay Diggs, though, is as a kind of a line where he kind of made it seem like, you know, he was like that in his response, he was like, it's not that serious. And then I'm like, yeah, bro. Well, it is that serious. Now, you know, I was trying to like give you the benefit of the doubt, but bro, it is that serious, right? Because you should be proud of who you are. You should let your son know that, Hey, if you are, you're considered a black man because of the one drop rule, because of the the norms in our country and how things run, you are considered a black man. So you definitely can correct someone and identify that, Hey, I'm mixed and I'm the the black, the blackest part of me. I am so proud of it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to be, but I'm also so proud of the whitest part of me as well. And thank you so much for that, mom. And I appreciate this. And I embrace, you know, my white family and my black family and my white self and my black self. And, you know, I, I embrace that I'm a mixture of these two great things. And I'm proud of that. Like teach him that don't teach him that like, well, if you don't want to be black, you don't got to be black because in in the sense of doing that it makes it seem like well you are not you don't have to be black because black ain't something that that's good to be anyway you know what i'm saying like it just kind of and and i think that's where the 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 critics kind of came from of just like so what are you saying are you saying that 
you want him to be able to walk away from this because a black person can't walk away from being black. It's something that they that we have to accept and we have to we have to live with. And if a person says that I never want to be black, like this is just your reality. You don't have that benefit. And so like teach your child to appreciate it and to love it. Don't teach him to to say that, well, you can back out from it if you want to, because the reality is he can't back out from it. Like it just is what it is. Um, but again, I, I go on to say like to critics of Tay Diggs, like I wasn't annoyed until after seeing his response when he was like, it's not that serious. When he said it's not that serious, that's why I was like, wait a minute. Maybe they were on to something because I'm always a little leery of like just jumping on a bandwagon because I'm like, well, I want to see what the man said. Like, did the man actually say that he don't like being black? Did he say like, you know, I don't want my son to have to be black if he don't want to be black because he don't like being black? Like, I I was looking for that, but I'm to, to people that are like critics of his, like just make sure that you're really getting a full story or full understanding. Because again, I think that what he was trying to say was that his son is mixed. And so he wants to be able to him, his son to have the freedom to acknowledge uh, his white side and his black side. And, Having talked to people that are mixed and having had close friends and not just talked to in like random conversations, but we're, we're close enough that we share kind of like these intimate stories with each other. I hear I've heard a lot of mixed people say that, like, you know, there's really not a space for me to say that I'm mixed race and there's no box for me being mixed race. Um, <laughs> there's really not a way for me to, like, identify who I am. And the reality is that's who I am. And I want to be able to do that. So. You know, chill out with Tay Diggs. Um, I, I, I think. Now, I mean, I say this on the back end, but after he said the the you know it ain't that serious, I was like, well, Twitter have him, man. Slap, <laughs> like y'all can. He, he set himself up, so go for it. It is what it is. Yeah, I saw that it was all over my Twitter feed. People like were, were going in and saying he doesn't embrace blackness, but it's kind of like people have to look at both sides. And I think you you articulated both sides well. So shout out to you, Randall, and your uh, roast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to leave you with today's good vibe. Today's good vibe is growth is a painful process, but the rewards are priceless. If you want real success, it'll require real growth. Tony Gatkins. And um, that just speaks to the fact that, you know, whenever you're growing, it's going to be painful. Like. You're going to know when you're growing in life because of painful experiences forces you to grow, forces you to change. They say no pain, no gain, but um, that's that's the real. So don't despise the pain because you're growing. And and um, if you want real success, it will require growth, growth and growth comes from pain. So um, it's all a part of the process. Keep going. Keep pushing. Don't be discouraged. Don't quit. Um Thank you for listening to another episode of Brunch Culture. As always, you can find all our past episodes at www.brunchculturebc.com. You can subscribe to you can um, subscribe on iTunes by searching Brunch Culture. You can follow us on Twitter at Brunch Culture on Instagram at Brunch underscore Culture on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Brunch Culture. And remember at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion. <laughs>